Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Today on Marvel Movie News, we'll take a look at the new international trailer for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, take a look at what Nick Fury was up to during the Civil and Infinity Wars, and celebrate the life and times everything about Stan the Man, Stan Lee, today on Marvel Movie News. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Marvel Movie News. You belong, you belong, you belong, you belong, we'll belong. I wanted to open with this today. Welcome back, Marvelites. You are all members of the Merry Marvel Marching Society. Excelsior. I've never meant it more. Excelsior to you, Marvelites. Um, I've never said it before, because I'm back. Hey, guys. Hey, Amy. Hey, Zach. Um, For those of you who don't know me, I am the voice of Doom, formerly the voice of Doom, Zach Wilson. Thank you so much for joining (laughs) us. Uh, We have a very... Big show today, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot to talk about. There's some news to talk about, but then we, we want to celebrate Stan the Man. Stanley. I always want to call him Stan the Man. Stan I don't man. know why. It just sounds really good. It, it's, yeah, it does. Um, the Man on the Soapbox. Uh, there's so many things to talk about. Um uh, Hi, Amy. Hi. Why don't you tell them who you are? Well, hey, guys. I'm Amy Cassandra Martinez, and you all can find me on all social media at Amy Cassandra MTZ. I am also in the chat, so feel free to chime in with all your thoughts, comments, questions, anything you have with us right now. All right, guys. And I'm Zach Wilson. I'm so excited to get started. Um, yeah, as I said, we are going to be talking a lot about Stanley. We're going to uh, Get through some news first, and then we're going to talk about uh, what we loved about uh, Stan, what he meant to us, and we're going to take go go through our favorite Stan Lee cameos. Yes. Uh, countdown, like a, a sort of top ten, not ranked, but like uh, top ten. And then uh, we are going to be joined later by Christian Blatt and Zia Anderson of AfterBuzz TV's Marvel TV Weekly, so that they can also share their their affections for Stan Lee with us. Stick around for that. But first, let's go through today's uh today's news oh yeah. oh wait before we do that i gotta give a shout out to aunt manthony in the booth hello hey how's it going everybody it's aunt manthony here and uh, i gotta say zach welcome to the show or welcome back to yeah the show. thank you yeah, yeah, I, yeah. See, see i forgot to toss to the booth because i was usually the guy getting the in the booth getting tossed to when i was here <laughs> or, I'm, or i'm on a cell phone just yelling about agents of shield no one can contain the shield minute anymore guys there's a we've, there's a colson on the desk now in Lola. Oh my gosh, I just saw that. Oh my, hi! <laughs> There's no more so Shield nice Minute, Shield Blocks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Aunt Anthony in the booth, thank you uh, for being there. If you tweet a message to at Marvel News PTN or to at the Popcorn Talk on Twitter, he will retweet it for you. Uh, we've also got Colt Badeau tweeting from the Star Jammer at Marvel News PTN. All right. I don't know, Aunt Anthony. Do you think we should get started with the show? 
Yeah, I think this uh, this intro has run its course. Let's get into the thing. It's it's getting a little long. Yeah, it's getting a little long, almost as long as the runtime for Avengers Four. But um, uh, segue. <laughs> um, no, the uh, uh, the directors mm-hmm. of uh, of uh, uh, Avengers Four, mm-hmm. the untitled Avengers Four, have uh, have shared with us that the rough cut of the movie mm-hmm. is running at about three hours. Yeah. Which is the, which would make it the longest Marvel movie to date. I think Infinity War was 240, roughly 240. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not done. They said they're only halfway through the post-process. There are 3,000 visual effects shots. That's it? In this. Just 3,000? Just 3,000. There's just shots. That doesn't, that, that means that like, if you think, a, if you think of a scene has like, if it's like us talking and there's like a shot of Amy and a shot of me and then a wide mm-hmm. shot and like maybe a couple close-ups, that's like four or five shots. Yeah. 3,000 shots in this movie need digital effects inserted into them in some way that teams of people around the country and the world are working on right now. Imagine to be one of those people that's like, that's my job. I got to go do this. This is what I get paid for. I mean, I have friends that do that. Literally, I literally have friends that are doing this right now. Stop it. Oh my gosh. That's what, that's what they, that's like, that's their every day. Yeah. We just talk about it, but they're doing it. Wow. I want to talk to them. (laughs) We should have them over. Um, That's really all. It's just, it's a long (laughs) movie. Uh, Yeah. Are you okay, Amy? Are you okay with a three hour movie for, for this one? I'm going to be completely honest. Heck yes. Yes, because I just want more. I want a nice happy ending, which I don't know if that's what we're going to get, but I just want more. It's kind of like one of those things where, you know, would you like to watch the extended cut or would you like to watch the theatrical cut? And it's like, uh, the more you give me, the better. As long as it's good, which I know it will be. Duh. Yeah. I, I If they need three hours to, to get this one done, yeah. I'm all for it. Uh, I don't think that they would push this past any time that it needs my only complaint when i saw infinity war especially the first time through was that it felt like half a movie really it was a great half of a movie that was the thing it's the same way i just i i put it equivalent to uh harry potter and the deathly hallows part one where it's not that i didn't like that i I love the books the books are always first but brace yourself amy I know, I know. <laughs> That's what I'm holding on to. I'm holding on to the table. The the first movie was great, but then it stopped, and I was like, oh, that was only half a movie. Yeah. And I'm ready for the second half right now. And so it wasn't really a... It was just the nature of the story. And that's yeah. sort of the nature of Infinity War, yeah. is that it, there were going to there were gonna be two parts to this, mm-hmm. and I'm ready. I want the second part. So yeah. this is just... To me, this is a five-hour movie, and we only got to see half of it so far. True. And I think for our psychological health, it's a good thing that they split it up into two <laughs> because there's no freaking way that I think we will all we would have all made it through if it was all just one movie. I know some people in the chat were like, Yeah, I'm game for a three hour Avengers four. Like Mr. Anton La I did that perfectly, didn't I? <laughs> um and yeah. Gamer Girl even said Avengers Four is gonna be longer than Braveheart. So, you know, it's it depends on who you're asking, but I think it's it's about half and half. It's going to be so long, it'll be on two VHS tapes, like Titanic. Oh, my God. That's actually what I was thinking about. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, speaking of Avengers 4 as like and, and Infinity War, um, I want to talk about the Captain Marvel prelude 
or prelude. <laughs> we were t- we were just debating whether which word it is. Yeah, uh, prelude. That came out. Um, I picked it up. It came out yesterday. Um, these these books are are hit and miss for me. If you guys have ever read the uh, the the prelude like uh, thing, sometimes they're just like we took the last movie mm-hmm. and condensed it into twenty five pages. Uh, which is dull. Sometimes they give you, like, completely new perspectives. The Ant-Man prelude was, like, Hank Pym's story, like, the MCU version of Man in the Ant Hill. It was uh, great. I loved wow. that book. Um, this is Nick Fury's perspective, Nick Fury and Maria Hill, what they were doing between Age of Ultron, Civil War, and Infinity War. This sort of back, like view on everything where Nick Fury is seeing his his project his pet project the the Avengers initiative mm-hmm. sort of collapsing like they were always meant to be this force that was ready for any cosmic threat and now he's seeing it collapse around him so the fun in this book is that yeah if you look up at this this photo Nick Fury is he's found cap this is after civil war but before infinity war where they there's like a, a thing in Syria they and he goes and he like delivered basically just delivers them a quinjet so like the Quinjet that they have, that this was Nick Fury's like gift to them. Like That's I'm, I, he's like, I think you should get back with Tony. <laughs> he's like, he's like a, a best friend who's like, I think you need to get back with your ex. Like you guys got to work this stuff out. It's gonna be okay. You just need to talk about it. Talk um, things like, through. Nope, can't. I, like I told him he could call me if he wanted to, but he's not doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's just a cool little like background story, and then it leads right up until the call. There's no Captain Marvel in this book. But it it basically gets you to Nick Fury putting in that call, which I'm sure will play into however Captain Marvel raps. Uh, yeah, raps. True. I I think you know it's nice to have these preludes, preludes, proludes, whatever you want to call them, just because you know it's a different part of the story. Do you see it as canon? Yeah, I th- okay. these are considered. Well, uh, these are what you would call near canon. Okay, is what I've is what it, like when I've worked on stuff that's like in these kinds of universes, and they have like tiers of canon. Mm-hmm. It would be considered near canon. So, like, if the movies ever need to, it's canon until the movies decide that it's not. Is basically the way that it's approached. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how it <laughs> happened. But if the movies ever feel the need to contradict it. They can't. They get contradicted. Yeah. Um, it will, like, no writer is going to be like, oh, but in that comic that we did. Yeah. Uh, so that's sort of the trade-off there. So it, it is, like, a, an official perspective. Like, mm-hmm. this is published by Marvel. It's not fan right, fiction. Right, right, But it's not, like, also, it's also not written by the people that wrote the movies. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's kind of like just adding to the story that we already have. Yeah. And just having a little bit more meat to it. It's like a little novel. It's like sort of like the novelizations. If you will, I like that. Um, let's let's move on to uh, Once Upon a Deadpool yes. coming this December because uh, they put out a new poster for it that is <laughs> ridiculous. I love uh, it. The, <laughs> I need to pull it up on my computer so I can see it better, but it's oh, absolutely it zoomed in a little. Yeah, you've got Fred Savage riding happy. on a reindeer. <laughs> With like a Rudolph reindeer, because he's got a red nose. <laughs> he's riding on Rudolph with Deadpool in a Santa hat. I I wasn't going to be excited about this movie yeah. when I first heard about it, but the fact that they actually went in and shot new footage, mm-hmm. I feel good. Like I, I know you and Koi talked about it a yes. couple weeks ago, yeah. but are you? How are you feeling? Uh, like with all of this, like the poster and everything, how are you feeling about Deadpool? 
Once Upon a Deadpool. Once Upon a Deadpool. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, we knew that there was going to be a per- PG-13 version. Then we got the title. The title was like, Once Upon a Deadpool. All right, yeah, okay. And then now that we have the poster, I'm like, that's cute. I really like the poster. I really do. I love how, like, it looks really real. You can see Deadpool right there. Yep. And it's just, it's crazy. I really like it. I think... I mean, basically what I've said before, that if this means that more people are watching Marvel properties, then I'm here for it. I do want to make sure that we still keep the Deadpoolness, Deadpool-y, if that makes sense. You yeah, know? it's it's the, I, I know that this, this is clearly something Disney-influenced. Um, for better or worse, they, Disney doesn't want to do R-rated superhero movies they've never wanted to with with marvel stuff it's with the, at least with the marvel the mcu yeah um because it's not in the mcu they have a very specific tone with like mm-hmm. kevin feige is the showrunner of this giant tv show called the marvel cinematic universe and that has a consistent tone you know more or less what you're going to get when you go into it each one has its own flavor but For you sure. know what you're but you know what tone like generally speaking you're going to get even when it's more serious or whether it's more comedic you know that what you, you have an idea of what you're getting into, and that's sort of the beauty of it is mm-hmm. that you can you have that sort of the the audience has that viewpoint. But Deadpool yeah. lives in his own world; he has his own take on everything, and I hope he stays that way. I know Disney's yeah. test. Disney is my only worry with this is that Disney is testing the waters for PG thirteen Deadpool, so that Deadpool three or X Force could be PG thirteen, and mm-hmm. I think that part of the fun of that character is that he can push those limits mm-hmm. to their extremes. And it, maybe if this has become just become a trend where you can do the R, you do the R rated version, and then you re release it in PG thirteen. I have no problem with that. Yeah. Uh, they're they're stealing another twenty of my dollars, but we'll give it to you guys I'd if you really rather want to. that over lose over losing the more adult humor Deadpool that we've gotten, which has been mm-hmm. so much fun and has let Ryan Reynolds really enjoy this character ryan reynolds i think will be the key to keeping deadpool yeah what it is because he when they offered him this he technically could have said no what he what he, at least he jokingly said is he's, he said no at first and then he was like okay i'll do it but i want to kidnap fred savage mm-hmm. let me explain that was what yeah. he tweeted about it yeah and then also you know donating some of the the ticket sales oh yeah that was the other to part, charity the yeah, which yeah. so they've been wanting him to do a pg-13 version of deadpool since like 2000 mm, for a while for a while and so i think he's the one that's gonna be like okay cool like we did it but let's make sure that we still keep deadpool deadpool yeah um and i know some people in the chat were saying you know they did reshoot or they added, well, they reshot, I guess, the beginning and then the end. So the beginning and the end of the storybook stuff. So it's basically what they're going to be cutting out throughout the movie, too, which yeah. I know has people hesitant. But let's just give it a try. If you want to give it a try and give it a, and, you know, and watch it, then let us know what you guys think once it does come out. And if you don't, that's okay. You don't have to watch it. We'll see. We'll see what it's like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not concerned about this one affecting Deadpool 2. I'm just effect- uh, worried about what it's going to be going ahead. But yeah. only time will tell on that. So there's no yeah. reason to get worried. Um, mm-hmm. Back to Infinity War uh, yeah. for a moment. Uh, th- this is just a quick story. But uh, Disney, uh, previously it was announced that they were pushing Black Panther for a number of categories for Oscars, for the Academy Awards. Like mm-hmm. they're starting their campaigns and everything for what they want. They're pushing several actors for that. They're pushing for Best Picture for Black Panther. 
but they originally only submitted Infinity War for one or two categories, obviously visual effects and things like that. But now uh, they've uh, they've announced that they're going to be pushing for a lot more. Whether they are going to put the same amount of effort into it, we'll see. But they're pushing for this is the list yes. of Oscar of things that Disney is submitting Infinity War for Academy Awards: director, adapted screenplay, film editing, cinematography, production design, costume design, makeup and hairstyling, sound mixing, sound editing, original score. I mean, uh, yeah. Amy, are there any of those that stand out to you as a category you think Infinity War stand a chance in? I would say, I mean, cinematography, production design, sound editing, sound mixing. Sound mixing, sound editing for sure, I would say. Yeah. Sound sound is always a a, an, a, a, a good play for mm-hmm. something like this because it does use sound in such, in a unique way as opposed yeah. to some other things. Um, I don't know about like score writing is going to be a tough one for this. Not that I think it was poorly written by any means, no. but it's n- like Black Panther. The thing is, I think uh. Black Panther has so much more of a, a shot at these because of it was if the mar- if the if Marvel was ever going to do a Academy Award. Beatty movie. This was as close as we're going to get. A Shakespearean tale uh, with the most di- one of the most diverse casts, or like with people in terms of bringing in people of color mm-hmm. uh, that like you've seen on screens at all. Mm-hmm. So I I understand why they're pushing Black Panther a lot more. Um, I do think it has a shot at um, maybe editing. Because it was so emotional towards the end, it affected so many people. But it's, <laughs> even that's a bit of a, a stretch. I really wish they there was an Academy Award for motion for mocap because Josh Brolin. Like I know they won't they won't nominate somebody for for supporting actor yeah. for a mocap performance. But Josh Brolin, the way he brought Thanos to life in this, I thought like deserves some recognition from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Whether it's whether or not it's the Oscars, who cares? But the, like like somebody needs to give him a statue. Even if maybe it's just a giant glove. That would be nice. Just give him a glove. Um, with all of the stones. But yeah. Of um, course, because he fought hard to get them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, some people in the chat are saying film editing, original score, director, visual effects. Yeah, I think it would... It's certainly this year, you know, the fact that we're pushing... That we're... Well, we're not. But that they're pushing, you know, for these movies to be nominated, these films to be nominated. It's a good thing. And I think... There is a shot for any of these two films to be nominated for any kind of category. The thing is, which ones? You know what I'm surprised about? I just realized that this list is missing visual effects. And I, 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 I could have that could have been a mistake in what I pulled, but I pulled it straight from this article, and I don't think that they listed visual. What the heck? Visual effects. That's interesting. Yeah, the, at least according to IGN, they're not. They, they were not submitted for visual effects, which I thought they would have had a good shot with with Thanos if alone yeah. would have carried that. Um, but who knows? We'll see. Um, pushing through, because I want to make sure that we have enough time mm-hmm. to talk about mm-hmm. Stan Lee. Um, let's do some real quick Marvel TV time. Yay. There it is. <laughs> Marvel movie news. We're talking TV Disney streaming service officially has a name. Yeah. Uh, Disney streaming service, a.k.a. uh, Hey, Star Wars and Marvel fans, give us your money. Pretty much. uh, Is now Disney Plus. 
You know, it's weird because I had heard that it was Disney Play. A That's while what ago. that was the rumor, but it was right? never confirmed. It huh. was just like this prominent rumor that a lot of people were like, "Well, that makes sense." Cool. That's what it's called. Yeah, that's cool. You're already gonna take our money anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm signing I mean, up the, the, the every with everything from like the Mandalorian and whatever else they're doing with Star Wars. But then what they this this announcement also came with the official announcement of the first Marvel series because that's the other thing is none of these series have been confirmed until now. Mm-hmm. Loki is officially the first Marvel series being originally produced for Disney Plus. Yeah. <gasps> so excited. I'm so hesitant. What? Here's Why? the thing. I love Tom Hiddleston, okay. but unless this is a prequel story, like this is about a younger Loki, like in his most mischievous days. Yeah. I'm not, I, we haven't seen Avengers 4 yet, but I thought like after I saw Infinity War, he was the one death that we could count on st- on being there and being and and maintaining its emotional devastation and gamora i see i think she's coming back but that's a whole other we don't have time for that discussion right now but like because i saw i see her path to coming back but because loki died in a way where he just was killed he wasn't it wasn't because of an infinity stone like with gamora and the soul stone it wasn't because of the snap like he was just killed and i thought that that was gonna leave him truly dead Mm -hmm. and death is something the marvel universe obviously plays fast and loose with yeah. But I, I, it, unless Avengers Four does something that really makes me want to see him back, I'm not sure about a post Infinity War Loki story. Mm-hmm. If it was young Loki, but it's not because they officially also confirmed Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, I could also be interested, but it's not young Loki. It's it's Tom Hiddleston Loki. I mean, it could still be point. a younger version of Tom Hiddleston. It could he be, looks amazing. But I, what I mean is young Loki, like in the comics like where he's a teenager okay. again, and that's like its own interesting little like twist. He, maybe we'll get Loki Sorcerer Supreme. Don't do that. We're way too early for that. I feel complete opposite from you. I am excited. Whatever the heck they're going to give us. I know some people in the chat were saying Bob Iger called it a sort of Disney play. Oh, you're talking about something else. I got you. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, some people are saying that it's for sure going to be a prequel. Like that that's kind of what was insinuated. I'm here for it. Whatever it is, if you have Tom Hiddleston as Loki, I'm there. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be 6 to 8 episodes. Yeah. And we'll we'll see what it looks like. Like I'm not saying no. Like that's great. I love that they're going all in on an on a full cinematic character and a character who has been there for so long mm-hmm. as Loki. Like I'm I'm hoping that this leads to the Captain's America show with uh which is what I'm calling it. With uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I I want to call it Captain's America, where they're just <laughs> okay. both. One of them gets the pants and the shield, and the other gets the the helmet and the shirt. I don't know. Oh. Um, no, I uh, that that I think after like rewatching Civil War, I'm like, do that. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but I anyway, mean, yeah, we're gonna um, we're gonna have stuff that's closer to us than just going to the movies. That's super good Marvel quality, and I'm here for it. Yeah, uh, it's a. It's gonna be fu- it's gonna be fun. I'm excited to see what else they do with Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that whether they're bringing over the, like they want they're not gonna bring over the darker tone of Netflix. Maybe they go to Hulu, but like whatever they're gonna do now that Disney has all these streaming platforms to themselves, we can start playing with that world. Playing. Um, and awesome. I, and with that, like talking about a world that we can mm-hmm. play in, I want to transition over. To our celebration, and you hear the door clang because we're welcoming in our, our, our guests for today, uh, but we want to take 
the rest of the show to really celebrate the life of Stan Lee. Um, I don't think I have to tell you guys who Stan Lee is, but mm-hmm. he is he is the he's the architect, one of the architects behind the Marvel universe. Like to begin with, like between him, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, like everyone that the, that was at Marvel in the early days, like that's who gave us this world and we lost him this week but it's not a it's not a sad goodbye this was mm-hmm. we're we're not we're not mourning today we're celebrating yes. we're celebrating this amazing man and everything that he did for our lives so i wanted to start so first welcome christian and zia Hey, thank you. Hello, Mary Marvelites. Good to see everyone. Um, (laughs) They are our friends from Marvel TV Weekly, and we wanted to have them in to like to join us in the discussion uh, and and the celebration. Um, Stanley, the editor of Marvel, um, a controversial figure at times. Yeah, Uh, especially by the uh, people who work the closest with him. Yeah, uh, he and Jack Kirby uh, didn't speak for the last like thirty years of Jack Kirby's life. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but definitely the last twenty. It's it's not that much of an exaggeration. Yeah, it's probably twenty though for sure. But he was, but so he was the face of Marvel. That's the biggest thing is that he was not only the editor in chief in, in terms, so that he was he was in charge of pushing all of these things out. Like that was his job was to like make sure these things got there. So. Regardless of any of that, we don't get this stuff without a skilled hand driving the train. Um, and he also like he took the he took he took on the responsibility of being the face of of Marvel, which is like its own cool little thing. He was the like imagine being like the first thing kids think of when they think of comic books. Yeah, I think that's so cool, um, especially because he just he gave so much to, and it's so cool that he was willing to kind of take on that responsibility because someone had to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, he's, he's like the Hugh Hefner of yeah. Marvel, you know, he's, he really, he's out front. Before and not just was... because of Iron Man one. Right. Not exactly. <laughs> yes. Not just because of the cameo, but uh, yeah, he's just such an important part. And look, just for me personally, my first awareness of Spider-Man was Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And every episode started with a narration from Stan. So I always thought of Stan Lee. I didn't know what he looked like until I was a little bit older. But, you know, I was like five or six. And I only ever thought of Stan Lee and Spider-Man at the same time. So I've never known Spidey without Stan. So, uh, yeah, let's not to make you cry, Amy. I know, the, I know how emotional yeah. you can get. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, I think it's something, too, that even – you know, with with kids growing up now that maybe they're not always reading comics or, you know, instead they're watching cartoons or they're going and watching these movies, they know who Stan Lee is. And I think that's so freaking iconic and that's just representative of everything that he, you know, he was able to, everyone that he was able to affect, really. And I don't know. I think the fact that we're all celebrating being nerds and geeks (laughs) and everything in this world now, it's like, thank you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the like the reason I that I say like for anyone who's not like hasn't like read like the untold story of Marvel, which is a <laughs> phenomenal book. If you if you enjoy Marvel comics and you like history, I highly recommend you read I that. Definitely read agree, that book. Yeah. Um, but the Marvel method was what Stanley came up with, and it was a not a traditional way of like creating these stories, but it was also how he was able to push out so many books of a certain level of quality. Um, and so the Marvel method. Which, which, like, if you could say that Stanley created anything, like, you give him the co-creator title of every all those characters, Spider-Man, like, Doctor Strange, the Incredible Hulk, like, those are all shared creations. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but the Marvel method, I think, is the thing that you can most attribute. Like, Stanley created that, for better or worse. And that method was that he would lay out, like, he would have a, a writing session where he would lay out all the stories. He would say, this is what's going to happen, we're going to do this, and then this happens, and this happens. And then he would say, okay, Jack or Steve, go draw it. And they would just draw the story. They would draw the panels without a script. They were creating the story. They were creating the script. So that's why there's a lot of, like, well, who really wrote it? It's debatable. Like, mm-hmm. is it the person who came up with the initial germ of the story? Like, if the story is I go to the store and then I turn to the to the artist and say, like, well, draw that. And the artist draws in, like, a bunch of different things of what happened when I went to the store. Is it is one person the, more, more of the creator over the other? Or is it just a shared creation? And that's sort of, the like, the whole debate about this. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, we got a good story out of it. Yeah. Um, because they would come back with that, and then Stan Lee would fill in the bubbles. He would write the dialogue. The artist might set, suggest dialogue. Stan Lee would, like, go in and, like, write the dialogue himself. At least that's his, that's the, that's what is understood of the story. And you can always tell a story where Stan did the dialogue, especially in the 60s, because it's just this grandiose, just this verbiage that you're like, nobody talks like that, but it (laughs) sounds so cool. And nobody wrote villains better than Stan. You you, you know, speaking of Doom himself, if you just read some of the the early, you know, soliloquies by Doom, you're like, I I don't know, I think he must have lifted that from Shakespeare or something, (laughs) you know? Well, that's what comes from, because he was a, he wanted to be a novelist. That's the, to me, that was the fabulous, fascinating. Thing when I learned that about Stanley was that he didn't want to do comics. Mm-hmm. He was a novelist and he thought comics were beneath him, but he was like, you know what? Uh, I'll give this a shot and see what happens. And then he came up with the Fantastic Four and never left. <laughs> and also, what I think is so cool about it too is that he added so much depth to the characters. He was really kind of the one that wanted them to have, um, you know, like sort of troubled pasts. And he really gave the characters more than just being crime fighters. Yes. Which I thought was really cool. Well, that's a perfect way to tr- to transition to the next thing I wanted to to ask all of all of you guys is like what did Stanley mean to us? Because I think it's exactly those things. It was exactly like those having those characters who had those darker backstories and had troubled lives and had real like three-dimensional lives that is the reason why so many people connected to them and grew off of those characters. Mhm. Um, so like, Amy, why don't you kick us off? Like, talk about. Yeah. Well, I mean, touching on that, basically having, having these characters that are not sunshine and rainbows all the time and have had crap happen to them to have these characters to relate to. And then also having other people, you know, like you guys, like fellow nerds that also relate to them. I think having that community is what Stan Lee really created. Like he kicked it all off. And for me to, you know watch Spider-Man when I did, not growing up with comics, and still feeling like I'm part of this nerdy world, like, that's what it's all about. That's, you know, not being alone and having someone to talk about Spider-Man with. And, like, if you wear a certain kind of sweater, people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, I love your sweater. That kind of camaraderie and family that you can't really find elsewhere. For sure, that's Stan. Amy's wearing a Ben Riley sweater. If you're, if you're, oh, yes, if you're just I listening to this. That'd be um, Yeah, I mean, for me, it was... Uh, comics was always uh, these characters are some are, were people that I I like Spider Man and Captain America were always in my head when I was a kid. I didn't read as many Marvel comics as a kid, but I discovered them as like as a as a late teenager and as an adult. And like it, but the characters that were had always been there. Like the Hulk at a young age was how I sort of understood my emotions. 
um, or, or at least like brought them to an understanding. Like the idea that like something like that could be bottled up inside of you. And then you don't want to keep like, cause it can blow up at a certain point that caught, helped me understand myself in a certain way. They understand the psychology going on in my brain, which mm-hmm. is like, and the, that's the thing these characters do is you, it, they give you a window to understand yourself. Like whether it's people struggling with mental illness portrayed as like superheroes or, people that are just like the good times in their lives and the bad times in their lives. Like you can make them silly and absurd and like have capes, but they're still real people. And that was what Stanley changed about comics. And that's, that was, that was a forever change. It wasn't just, I can fly and stop a bad guy. It was, I have my own stuff going on. I have loss. I'm grieving, but also there's, a bad guy with eight arms who's going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the surprising thing is when you think about Spider-Man, Peter Parker, his backstory is so dark because, you know, if you look at it, just say the first 10 years of the character in in his very first appearance in amazing fantasy 15, he doesn't stop a burglar and everybody knows the story because they reboot it all the time. And his luck, that guy breaks into his house and kills his uncle Ben, you know, his, his only real father figure. And that's his fault. And then, you know, what, 120 issues later, he tries to save his girlfriend, Gwen Stacy, and uh, in shooting his web, he breaks her neck. So Spoilers. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I think think people probably know at this point. Uh, But, uh, you know, and it's just like, well, and somehow he's still the wisecracking crime fighter, you know, amidst all of it. Like, yeah, of course you have times where he gets angry. And there's great dark Spider-Man stories like uh, Craven's Last Hunt in particular. But you can – he just – you're like, I don't know why he can be so happy, but, you know, good for him, you know. Mm-hmm. And Stan just added that kind of depth to it. And obviously Steve Ditko is such an important part of the look of Spider-Man, especially early on. And, you know, he also would have co-created the Green Goblin. And, so you know, basically your, your top-tier uh, Spidey villains, you know, uh, all came from what Zach was talking about, the Marvel method, that collaboration. Yeah, Zia. Uh, definitely a lot of what it meant for me was, especially when I was younger, as being kind of more of an outcast and my nose was always in a book, it was kind of um, a world for me to escape to. So when the movies first came out, a lot of it you can relate to the characters and a lot of it is this fantastical world that you can kind of get out of your own reality in your own life and kind of fall into that and you can relate with the characters and it was through a lot of the movies and the cartoons that actually got me into reading some of the comics. And I still have so much to read. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same thing for me, though. The, it, it, was, it was a different cartoon, not anywhere near as good as the cartoons you would have seen as a kid. But Spider-Man and his amazing friends. But that show had great guest stars. There's episodes with the X-Men. There's an episode with Doctor Strange and Captain America. Yeah. So I was, I was very interested in all these stories. And sort of to what Amy was talking about, I mean, reading comics in the early and mid-80s is a lot different than not just today, but then in the early 90s when it was like a much bigger deal. It was like very mm-hmm. not cool. Mm-hmm. And you, if you found somebody that also read comics, you were like, well, now we have to be friends. <laughs> and Stan was our friend too. You know, we all Aww. we all loved the guy who wrote the uh, the Stan soapbox uh, yeah. in every Marvel comic that came out. Yeah, they were wonderful. And I, I also wanted to share like for my own thing with – the, with you guys, uh, so a- a- Anthony, you could throw. No, wait, that you had it there. Um, <laughs> uh, this was uh, something that my my dad sent me uh, to oh. the, like this was his 
we played the Mary Marvel Marching Society tune at the great. top of the episode, um, and that like from his from a record that he has when he at eleven years old joined. I think you could send away for like a dollar, and yeah. you jo- you joined this club, the Mary Marvel Marching Society. So yeah, the, there's my de- signed by Grand Marshal Ben Grimm. Uh, <laughs> you get you got a little card. Yeah, um, it well, was it like. Cool. Uh, it was some. It's something that like. There's always that connection. Like it's a cross generational thing. Marvel comics and like the connections to Stan Lee and everything about the about these worlds is is relatable. Whether you're in the '60s, the '70s, '80s, '90s, 2000s, 2010s, like, and they will. These characters will continue. They this world is one that we can continue to live in and be a part of. Um, whether, and like it connects families. Like that's the thing that I think it, it is the most powerful is that it connects people. Like you got like the, and Christian, like you were saying, like it, you find other friends because like I'm here with you guys, because we <laughs> yeah. love yeah. Marvel. And that comes Aww. from like, again, like whether you, it was some magic formula that Stanley, Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby, all the people at the Marvel offices, like that, they came up with that made this world work. Like, and Stan was a huge part of that. Like, regardless of how that all that stuff goes down, all the debates about who created what, and like Stanley, we wouldn't have this without Stan. Mm-hmm. And you know, to the point of the Mary Marvel Marching Society, you know, he just knew how to. You know, he created the idea that there was this this bullpen. And so the, in every issue, there was the bullpen bulletin. They didn't really work in a bullpen. In fact, a lot of the people didn't work in the same office. Yeah. But he created this idea of this community, and it seemed so fun. And then whenever there were mistakes, he came up with the great idea of the no prize, where if you found a mistake <laughs> no and you came up with an excuse for, well, it probably meant this, he would send you a no prize, which I think it was an orange envelope, and it said, congratulations, you've won a no prize. And if you open it, it was empty. So, uh, just such a genius thing, you know, That's who can, amazing. he's not really selling it. You don't pay for it, but who sells en- uh, empty envelopes better than, uh, Stanley. And I think that's probably why he got along so well with the guys from kiss when they did the kiss comic book in the seventies. <laughs> I mean, that's all, that's the thing that's so fun. It's like when you create like, he, like the connect the interconnected comics that like, that they were trying to do that, the ambition of it, you're going to admit, you're going to miss stuff but yeah. he's like all right we create a plot hole fix it for us <laughs> um but to that extent to talking about the bullpen and everything um uh, am anthony if you want to cue up that uh that sound cue um i thought this would be a treat it's from the the record that you got when you joined the mary marvel marching society so i pulled it from the record um this is just a clip that they played as like one of the things on this beyond just the song so uh it's the bullpen talking it's so like uh, so hit it Okay out there in Marvelland, face front, this is Stan Lee speaking. You've probably never heard a record like this before because no one would be nutty enough to make one with a bunch of offbeat artists, so anything is liable to happen. Hey, who made you a disc, Jackie Lee? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby, say a few words to the fans, Jackson. <laughs> okay, and a this few is, words. Like, this is super... I'll take care of the humor around here. You, you've been using the same gags yeah. over and over for years. <laughs> Well, you can't accuse me of being fickle, can you? By the way, <laughs> the readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw a bald head. And that's... <laughs> oh, I'm glad we caught you when you were in a good mood. Jack Kirby talking. Do you have a few minutes? For our fabulous gal Friday? Sure. Say hello to the fans, Flo Steinberg. Hello, fans. It's very nice to meet you. As Marvel's corresponding secretary, I feel as though I know She's my favorite character on Mad Men. By the way, Saul Brodsky wants to say a few words. Saul Brodsky? Who's he? 
Stan, the fans know you have a bad memory by all the mistakes you make, but this is ridiculous. And his ownership been of your associate for years. The, the ownership of his mistakes and his failing. Like, it's so funny because you put on that record and you think like, wait, do I accidentally have this set at 45? Or is this guy's voice really that high? And uh, that sort of banter is such a, like, a very out, early Anthony. 60s thing of like, you know, just you know, comedy duos and comedy albums and radio that was just, you know, comedy teams like Bob and Ray and stuff. That's what it makes me think of. And it's so funny to hear Jocular Stan and the whole gang. I've never heard that before. So that's the record that your dad has, though. Yeah, right? yeah. it's uh, Voices of Marvel. Yeah. It's 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 the, like the hard to track down thing because it yeah. was just like sent to the, the, the Marvel fans of like the 60s. Yeah. Like 60s and 70s or, or I think it was the 70s when that when that thing came out. But uh, yeah, I thought I would share that with you guys. It's a fun little treat. You can you can look up longer takes of it online and like listen to more of it. Um, but the other thing I wanted to do uh, as we celebrate Stan, we are the Marvel movie news, of course. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was only appropriate that we take a look at Stan's movie cameos. Yes. Uh, and I assembled from from the four of us our our not our 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 favorites between mm-hmm. us, like a top 10 list, if you will, in no particular order. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this, Amy, this one was yours. Uh, yeah. Kick us off the list with uh, whatever you think of the movie, this is a cute cameo, <laughs> Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this, yeah. The, yeah. 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 <laughs> this was... <sighs> when you talk about, you know, what Spider-Man means to each and every one of us, it's like, yes, Crap can happen, but you can still make a difference. And Stan, in this this part of the movie, he he says like, "Oh, I guess someone one person really can make a difference." And just just hearing that, like, oh, it's just yeah. yeah, yes, like everything he said, yes, because especially in a world where you know sometimes things can get very negative. When you turn to Spider Man, you turn to Stan, you're like, yeah, I can make a difference, and it was beautiful. That was that was one of the highlights. Maybe only highlight of the movie. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. Sam Raimi actually said that when, for the first movie, he didn't want to put Stan Lee in it. And oh, yeah. Alviar had, had to convince him. Because it had only been an X-Men movie to that point. Right. Like, it was a new thing. Um, but then afterwards, he was glad that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, Stan Lee can't act? What do, you, what do you mean I have to put him in the movie? This was so cool. Um, the next one uh, was one that Christian sent us, which from the Fantastic Four yes. movies. And- uh, technically, this is, the, this is one where he... Shows up as the same character in two movies, I, I believe. Yeah, and yeah, that's the only time that he reprises the character from his cameo. But it's Willie Lumpkin, the mailman, who's a real character in the Fantastic Four. So I just love the idea that he's actually playing this character that you always knew. It was sort of a goofy thing that they had the mailman. That he had, like, helped create. Yeah, like... and so he got to actually be one of his creations because, look, he's not going to play Peter Parker. I guess he could have played J. Jonah Jameson, maybe, but uh, I think it was just the perfect fit for him. Give him a little cameo. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, talk about another movie where maybe the highlights are a little harder to find, but Stan as <laughs> Willie Lumpkin is a great one for me. Yeah, and then we had uh, from Deadpool when he played <laughs> the strip yes. club DJ. I think Zia, did you, were you that, the one that, that sent this me. in? That yeah. sounds like Zia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, these are all wonderful. So yeah. like, you could send it, you could pick any three at random and be like, great. And I, I do like we've already seen that it transcends. It's not like he's not just in the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And maybe it's because those didn't exist when he started. You know, they're mm-hmm. in the Fox movies. He's in the Sony movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was surprised that he was in Venom. You know, the most recent one yeah. that we he had. popped up on Heroes season one. If you oh, remember. I do remember that. That's right. What? Yeah. And he uh, was on an episode of Agents of Shield. He's as on well. Agents of Shield. He's in. He's a. a the, they put him into the Netflix series through yeah. a series of photos um, where he's a cop and then a, a, a lawyer. I uh, Also, I just saw an Ultimate Spider-Man episode called A Stand By Me, which is um, it's pretty much a team up uh, fighting the lizard with uh, Spider-Man and Stan. And he turns out to be a, a, an agent at the end of Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And at yeah. the end, he says, I, I, I never did. I'm one of the uh, old school agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, but I didn't do, do it alone, and he says, hey, what's up, Steve? And then there's like a guy off off screen that he says hi to, which I thought was pretty cool. That's cool. A nice that? reference, Steve. That's a great, the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, the recent one, was was really fun. It, Phil Coulson is the principal yeah. of Spider-Man school with Stan Lee as the janitor. Well, And the, um, the current Marvel, the, the Disney XD one that's just called Marvel Spider-Man, Stan was in an episode of that too recently. Yeah. And he has a long interaction with Spidey. Um, Civil War moving for, for through in our list. Uh, are yes. you Tony Stank? That was the best. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good one, uh, classic. Um, I, I needed to throw in the Avengers, the first movie at the end. I mm-hmm. thought this was perfect because it's so clean and like like it doesn't. It, it's at a point in the movie where you're not like really removed from it, um, which is like sometimes the Stanley cameos are a little like take you out of the moment. And they're fun, but they take you out of, like, yes. a big scene. But this one is, like, in the perfect spot where it's, just, like, superheroes in New York. <laughs> um, uh, let's, this one, I know two of you guys sent in, uh, from Am- The Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where <laughs> the lizard and Spider-Man are fighting in the school, and Stanley, the librarian, is there oblivious. Oh, so that pretty. was great. Yeah. And uh, uh, Stan once uh, talked about how at one point this was his favorite of his cameos. And what he liked is if you watch closely, you can see that I'm keeping time. I don't know if that's true, but I love the fact that he insists that he did. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I just thought that was a great one, too, because, again, he's not taking away from the scene. It's actually just really funny while he's there. So I love that one. Yeah. I think Amy sent this one in uh, yeah. from Ant-Man and the Wasp. When uh, his car shrinks, he goes, well, the 60s were fun, but I'm paying for it now. (laughs) That was one that, like, it made me laugh. Yeah, nobody thinks about the fact that that guy's car is just gone, like a a Hot Wheels toy now. He he doesn't have a trigger to grow it back. Are they going to go fix it? I doubt it. They got a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, He just lost a car. Um, This one is one that I added in um, and is... Very recent, not technically a movie, but I thought was so power is so perfect, and it as like one of his what will be one of his last, not his last because there are still some to come, but from the from the PlayStation Four game that just came out, Spider Man. Wow! Um, yeah. They they he's in a scene, and it it's Mary Jane and Peter Parker, um, and there's a very this is this is a different universe, so it's a very unique take on them. Where Mary Jane is an investigative journalist, and it's really it, it but still feels absolutely right to the character. Um, so she's Karen and, Page. 
A little bit, yeah, a little okay. bit I like of the of the okay. MCU oh, the, yeah, Karen Page, right, of course. which is not like the six sixteen Karen Page. No, 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 she's not, a, she's not a drug addict. But yeah. stand, yeah, but it, but it's it's Mary Jane and Peter Parker. And spoilers for the story of the game. I'll just like throw that out there. Miles, um, like Peter Parker and Mary Jane seem to be getting back together, and stands over there like. It's good to see you kids back together. You two always were my favorites. Oh, <laughs> and it's this that. beautiful fourth wall breaky moment where it totally fits where like, yeah, this pizza guy that they probably went to regularly like is happy to see them. But it's also Stan saying he's glad to see Mary Jane and Peter Parker together again after like they're not together. Obviously, they're not together in the comics right now. Or are they? No, they're, 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 they're back. back, they're back together. I'm only just getting through the gauge run. Uh, but like they, they haven't been for a while, yeah, and for the a movies very long time. like yeah. uh, well, we're dealing with that as we go with Homecoming. Um, but I, just, it's a really cute, beautiful little moment. Um, this one, Christian, when you and I were working on the Tomorrow Show yes. together with with uh, our fearless leader Kevin Undergaro, uh, we had Stan call into the show one day. Uh, here, I'll let you set this one up. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, uh, I, I had asked him this question in 2014 on the Dennis Miller show when he was a guest. I asked him what his favorite cameo was. I thought I'd ask him again in 2016. And so his answer was the scene where he's the uh, the veteran, the drinking buddy of Thor. And what he said yeah. th- that it was his favorite is because it's the only one that happens over two scenes. So he's like, it's too soon. So, and he actually says, like, so let that be uh, some advice to the directors of the future Marvel movies. You know, give me two scenes. <laughs> but uh, it's also, it is a great cameo in addition to the yeah, fact that he liked it. He's uh, playing one of Captain America's old war yeah. veteran buddies. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then the one that I wanted to close on, which I feel is the ultimate Stanley cameo from any of these, is from Guardians 2. Where we get confirmation of the absurd fan theory that Stan Lee is Oatu the Watcher, (laughs) living on the moon, but but also coming down to Earth to make sure he's observing all the important events. Um, This was just like, this was so much fun because it was that, like, for years we all, like, it was the most fun theory that Stan Lee was Oatu, that he's just like in all these places because he's the Watcher. Mm-hmm. Seeing it. and then you have him standing with a bunch of watchers. <laughs> it was so I like I lost it in the theater with this one, and whether he he's not like I, I he's obviously not in the big capes and like yeah. he's an ast- he's like in a space helmet and everything. But I like to think he's just a transformed watcher. Yeah, and also like with the, the surprise of that is also because you're like, well, are the watchers part of the Fantastic Four lore, and does Fox own them? So you know that always makes it a surprise when you see a character that you didn't know that they had the rights to. For the uh, maybe it might be one of it's those probably... things where they have the rights to Owatu, but not the Watchers, since oh, the Watchers true. like that's hap- what happened a lot with those. Or deals it could be like that we don't have to worry about anymore, right? It could also be like Quicksilver, where kind of like yeah. every, everybody has a little bit of a claim yeah. To or it, like yeah. the way I imagine, I think it was similar to how like with the Scrolls, both right. companies could use them, but the Super Scroll was a Fantastic Four yeah. specific character, so technically Disney couldn't use the Super Scroll at the time, but, but hopefully they, could they do use soon. Scrolls. Um, like with, a, with Captain Marvel coming up. Um, so Watchers, fair play. So in my mind, the, because the Watchers are each one's from, in a different universe, technically, for some reason in this universe, the Watcher looks like <laughs> Stan Lee, and that's just that's Oatu in this universe. That's our Watcher. Um, but yeah, you guys, whether you're watching this later or watch or listening on uh, podcast form, like 
send us your favorite Stanley cameos. Like, was it the one in Thor? Or was it like, did I get it? Uh, which is great. <laughs> or uh, any of the any of them, the Incredible Hulk when he gets radiation poisoning. Oh, for drinking the soda. Yeah, that's a, that so is a favorite quick of and mine. Dumb. Oh yeah. Um, but there's so many, and they're all wonderful. But let us know what your favorites were. Absolutely. And real quick. I want to read through, or Amy, why don't, I'll, I'll toss to you so I can <laughs> stop talking for a moment. Um, through some, because we asked you guys at home, the Marvelites, to send us your favorite uh, Stanley moments, like whether they were from comics or in real life, and uh, what that what it meant to you. And so we wanted to make sure that we gave time to shout you out as well. So Juha Tuisku at Loth. Thank you, um, FL. One of the happiest memories I have of my mother is when she once wanted to surprise me and got me the newest Spider-Man. What makes me happy about that is that out of all the candy and toys they had, she knew to get the comic book, and it was definitely what I wanted the most. It's my Stanley memory because I would not have had that because I would not have had that had it not been for him. But really, my Stanley moments span from before I could even read to this day, and I'm sure until the day I die, and hopefully even beyond that through my kids one day, which is what we were talking about earlier, you know, that it's just about families and just spreading the nerdiness. Um, Marvel Therapy Group says... Well, Marvel Therapy Group at Therapy Marvel says, being forced away from his autograph table at Rhode Island Comic Con, but still insistently talking to him, I turned around, slammed my hand my hand on the table, and yelled, Mr. Lee, wait! The line stops, everyone stares at me, and I quietly say, will you say Excelsior with me? He did. Aww. <laughs> and Lewis Scott at Lewis1022. Spider-Man, just Spider-Man. I will miss Stan. I also wanted to share one that um, I don't have a picture here. It's on my Instagram. But I met him at Alamo City Comic Con. And it was one of those things where it's like, holy moly, like it's a big deal, you know, to go to those Comic Cons and want to see a celebrity because sometimes it's a lot of bit, a lot of bit of money, a lot of money. And, um, but I just knew it was worth it. So just standing in line. Seeing everyone come out after taking a picture with him, they, all of their faces were like, whoa, like that was Stan Lee. So then as soon as, you know, I walked in there, I was like, wow, that's him. Oh, my gosh. And it was just there was legit. There was an aura around him. Maybe I went crazy at that time. And there was just like music that was just like, ah, there he is. But I didn't even want to touch him. I was just like, you're amazing. But I was just the biggest the biggest dork taking a picture with him, but he was so nice and his voice is so recognizable that you're just like, Ooh. and it was beautiful. I walked out of there and I was crying. I was like, I, I that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. And, and John, like a few other people shared their favorite like panels or issues with us. Like John Ashford, the first Marvel comic he bought was fantastic Four one sixty one, Uh, and then he cried twice. Um, and mm. his, because his comics instilled in me a lot, the love of reading. That's what John says. Mm-hmm. Uh, different John. John Camelot says, I love his contribution to the creation of Super Sentai in the roundabout way that he that it was. While his attempt to bring it overseas with Sun Vulcan may have failed, uh, knowing that the Power Rangers, uh, what the Power Rangers is today shows that Stan knew what he was doing. And thanks to Supidaman. Spider-Man! <laughs> uh, oh, the Japanese, the crazy Japanese takes on Spider-Man with Leopardon. Uh, yeah. Look at, look up Leopardon if you're not familiar <laughs> with it. It's so insane. It, it's a giant mech that, for some reason, Spider-Man has in this in this live-action version. For the only reason that you need, that it's awesome. 
Uh, and then Daniel Drew. Uh, so there's a lot of I've not read or seen of his work, but then there's some I have. A couple of summers I took a, a superhero course at the Smithsonian, and wow. Stan, uh, Stan was in some of the videos talking about comic origins, and I thought it was great that he was a part of this education. Oh, and wow. Stanley will continue to be part of like everyone's comic book knowledge. Like he may have left us, he may have left this earth, and that's the other thing that uh, we didn't talk about earlier. But I wanted to to say in case people hadn't heard this story, but Roy Thomas, one of one of Stanley's proteges, um, who took over as editor in chief in later years, uh, said that he was with Stanley about two days before he passed, or talking to him at least, and that he said Stan was ready to go. Um, that he, he, his wife passed away about a year and a half ago and he said, I, I want to go see Joni. You know, he, he's old, he's old. He was like, he's, he accomplished what he was on this earth to do. Mm-hmm. That's, I think the most beautiful thing is that it sounds like Stan, like he did, he did his piece and he was, he was ready for this. Like it wasn't a sudden thing. It wasn't out of nowhere. Like Stanley had a phenomenal life and that's the thing to take away is like mm-hmm. he had one of the greatest lives that we can have, and that's why this is a celebration. Yeah, because it's sad. It's it's sad that we that we won't get more of him. We will still get a few more. He's got a voice in Into the Spider Verse coming up as a cameo. Um, he's going to be in. They've already shot him for Avengers Four. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they shot any for anything past that. Sometimes they have. So maybe he shot some Spider Man. It's definitely Spider Man Two. Yeah. Um, I know that they've shot. They they do his stuff in batches. Yeah. So it's very possible. I'm sure that he's in Captain Marvel. Um, we'll get the we'll get a few more. Like this isn't the last one, yeah. but it means that there there will become there will be a finite amount of Stanley cameos mm-hmm. to come. But he'll be with us because mm-hmm. he spent his time on Earth making us all happier people. Oh, yeah. And giving and us things to love. Heck, you know, go to the movies and then you'll see Spider-Man. Go to Netflix and you'll see Daredevil. Yeah, like, I, all of these characters. I mean, he here. even had a cameo in Teen Titans Go to the Movies. He had a cameo in a DC oh, yeah. movie. That's how big Stan <laughs> Lee was. Bam. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so as we... As we, oh, and Gamer Girl, I just, I, I turned my window at Gamer Girl, so he's also in rec, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. <gasps> oh, great. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I was already going to see that movie, but of course yeah. I'm going to see that. I mean, look, there's Marvel properties in it. You got to put Stan Lee in it. That's uh-huh. the way it works. Yeah. They showed Iron Man flying through one shot, and so Stan Lee <laughs> was contractually obligated <laughs> to have a cameo in the movie. I love that. Uh, That's fair. Um, yeah, but any yeah. any last thoughts uh, on Stan before we we wrap out because we're over time here? <laughs> um, let's start over here with uh, with Zia. Um, mostly, I just think it's awesome that we got what we got. That he you know shared everything with the world, um, and that yeah, he did live an awesome life. And I think that even though he's gone, he's going to live on with us forever because of all these characters. And I also had like a a thought that I don't know if they'll do this. Um, but for like later cameos, maybe they'll do something like they did with Star Wars, with him as like a, oh, like a CGI, Tarkin, yeah, like, like a CGI, CGI stand. stand. I'm very curious. Uh, actually, how do you guys feel about yeah. that? I personally sort of don't 
I'm okay with pictures, mm-hmm. like the like the Netflix style. I don't really want CG Stan running around. I can I can see that. That's yeah, like I one like, where I like. You're not sure how you feel about it. I but like in when Star you've Wars, seen like cool. Stan and like graffiti art on the side of a building. I like stuff like that. I think they should always figure out a way to get his image in it. Yes. But yeah, I I kind of hope they don't. Like that really weirded me out in Rogue One. So I'd rather we just don't yeah. see that ever anywhere. I thought it was cool in Rogue One. It's well done. But <laughs> I, I really, think it, yeah. it's good in this in very specific ways. I thought Grandma. Off Tarkin was of the right place to use it because it was truly effective. The story affected yeah. the story. You could have easily gotten a different actor to play that part, yeah. but it, it worked. Um, Christian, uh, so uh, my last thoughts, and this is going to be shameless cross promotion. That on Marvel TV Weekly Sunday night over on our sister network After Buzz. At 10 p.m. Pacific, we're going to spend the whole show talking about Stan. And tying into what Amy said about the unmistakable voice of Stan Lee, I will tell the story of the time I answered my phone and on the other end was Stan Lee. And then that ties into the two times I was able to jump in and uh, interview him. But we'll also have uh, you know some other after buzzers uh, joining us, I think, and uh, talking about Stan. And uh, it'll continue the celebration uh, over there. Mm-hmm. Amy? I just, I mean, I... I just think it's cool that we all get to be nerds and celebrate that. And I think, like I said earlier, the fact that Stan was able to do that for us and really let us embrace our, you know, freak flags. <laughs> like, we can Love do it. it and it's cool. So, yeah. 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 I mean, like, for me, like, this week I was already doing this and just because I was taking over the show. I was posting my top nine Marvel characters of all time because, like, mm-hmm. when I, when we announced, from when we announced that I was coming back to today, um, I like, and that was a, a nostalgia trip for me before this news broke. And then, so it was like, uh, it's, you can, you'll find that all on my Twitter, but I didn't put my number one up, which is, of course, Peter Parker. Yes! Spider Man <laughs> is my number one favorite. Like, you know, Ant Man, the Wasp are there, absolutely. Technically, there's two Ant Man there, the Hulk, like, just tons of people. But, but Spider Man showed, like, is like such a good expression of, like, who we can all be and, like, what it means to let yourself out and embrace who you are, even if there's two different sides to you, that's totally understandable and acceptable. And that's just, but live it that way. Even if it's hard, like that's what Stan's stuff meant to me. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I get to come back here every week and talk to you guys about Marvel and I don't have to have a doom mask on my head anymore. (laughs) Well, only every other time. No, I'm just kidding. Oh no. (laughs) Um, But with that, um, thank you guys so much for joining us this week for our Stanley celebration. Um, thank you, Christian and Zia, for joining us. Thank you, Amy. Of I'm course. so excited that we're going to be here every week I talking know. Marvel from here on out. Yeah. Uh, every Thursday at 1, guys, Marvel Movie News. We'll be back to bring you the latest hits, news, reviews, everything about Marvel. Um, I'm Zach Wilson, the voice, a- a.k.a. the voice of doom. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ThatZachWilson, T-H-A-T-Z-A-C-H. W-I-L-S-O-N. Uh, check out the uh, our sister network, AfterBuzz TV, where I host the Doctor Who After Show. I also have a podcast of my own called Ships in the Night, which is a very weird shipping podcast where we just take different characters from different universes and ship them together. It gets <laughs> weird, but check it out if you're into that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy. Where can everyone find you? You guys can find me on all social media at Amy Cassandra MTZ. I do a couple shows here on Box Office. Nope. Uh, on Popcorn Talk. One of them is Box Office Breakdown. And then I also do a couple on After Buzz. So just follow me and you can find all that stuff there. 
And Christian? And uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ChristianDMZ. And uh, I did mention Marvel TV Weekly Sundays at 10. But look for the archive of the Daredevil Season 3 After Show, which I did with Zia and Zach. That's true. You can do that. And <laughs> is on Marvel TV Weekly with me. I am. And I'm also on Doctor Who with Zach as well. Everybody. It's, it's <laughs> we all know each other. We're all big family. But Zia, where can everyone find you on Twitter <laughs> you and Instagram and all that? Twitter and Instagram at Zia underscore land. It's XIA underscore land. And, uh, yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Uh, Merry Marvelites. I say to you, Excelsior. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.